tonight, that story the media is telling about the crying Honduran girl separated from her mom by Donald Trump, it's a hoax. It's June 22nd and you're watching The Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here and you won't give them an answer. You come here once a year with a sign and you feel morally superior. The only thing I have to say to the government for why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Look at this crying girl, a little girl, so young. A thousand media stories about her in the last 48 hours, of course, because she's a child of tender years, ripped away from her mother by the evil Donald Trump. Time magazine put her on the cover, juxtaposed with her tormentor, Donald Trump, just in case you needed help to make the connection between good and evil. There has been a lot of news in Canada these days, just for example, did you see the news that Justin Trudeau broke the Conflict of Interest Act again? That's the fifth time now. He took a luxury gift and he didn't report it, and so he had to pay a fine, but it was a joke, just a hundred bucks. The gift was worth, worth much more than that, but only an obscure online newspaper called Blacklocks even reported it. The state broadcaster went wall to wall with the crying baby story. They even interviewed the photographer because apparently He's newsworthy too, I guess. I was on the embankment uh, of the river with a border patrol agent as rafts of people came across, um, across the river, across the Rio Grande from Mexico and into Texas. People were very scared. They had come to turn themselves in for asylum, but it was the middle of the night. One by one, they were frisked, um, patted down, and everyone had to turn in all their personal items and their shoelaces as well. I noticed a mother was unlacing the shoes of her daughter, um, a little girl, I didn't know how old. The mother was one of the last people um, to, to be body searched. Uh, the officer asked her to set her... You don't need to see anymore. It's, it, can you imagine? I don't think they covered the moon landing with such flood the zone coverage as they did. Uh, maybe they can interview the photographer's mechanic for his views too. Look, it's not real news. Two-year-olds cry, especially if they're out at 11 p.m. in the middle of the desert and then there are police around. It's not news that a kid would cry, it's fake news actually, which should not surprise you given the contract. Trudeau signed with George Soros's lobby group to promote the migrant narrative. This fake news on the CBC where law enforcers are evil but lawbreakers are noble, that's manufactured. It's not just in the CBC, it's everywhere. But it, what, what can you do? It's, it's a gripping image. It's, it's emotional. Rachel Maddow, not the most maternal of women, was positively brought to tears by the story of migrant children. And, and you know she would never fake it for fake news. Here's footage of children separated from their parents during the Obama administration. But that wasn't sad, or at least not sad enough to talk about because it was Obama. But Trump, he is a bad man. The Canadian Border Services Agency separates children from parents too, you know, on occasion when the parents do something illegal. Here's a chart from the Government of Canada showing dozens of kids held up for up to six months in detention. But I guess that's different too because it's done by a woke male feminist. What's going on in the United States is wrong. I can't imagine uh, what the families uh, living through this are enduring. 
obviously this is not the way we do things in Canada. Imagine smearing Trump for doing the same thing you're doing. Do you think Trudeau just doesn't know what the Canadian government's border police do? It's always a very real possibility. He's as shallow as a finger bowl, as someone once said. Or maybe Trudeau knows that he jails kids too. He knows all governments do. You don't put children in the same jail with their parents. It's just not done. Maybe Trudeau knows that he does what Trump does too. He's 100% rock solid sure he's not gonna be called on it by the Canadian media. Anyways, back to that little girl. She's a propaganda tool. Not the first time that George Soros has used a little girl for migrant propaganda. More than three quarters of all the Muslim migrants to Europe have been single, military-aged men, not women, not children. So it's important to rebrand the image as little kids. Like little Aylan Kurdi found face down on the beach. A horrific tragedy, of course, but also a miracle that a professional news media photographer from Reuters just happened to be there to capture that moment. Aylan Kurdi was not, in fact, fleeing Syria. He was already safe with his family in Turkey. He was put on an inflatable boat by his father. And here is the boy's aunt in Canada. She says they were not fleeing for their safety. She says, they were going to try to get free dental care in Germany. The situation is Abdullah does not have any teeth. Has a story about it. So I've been trying to help him fix his teeth. But it's gonna cost me 14,000 and up to do it. He need denture, he need teeth implant. So when I told him, there is no way I can get you the money in one time because dentists need to get payment right away. So I said to him, actually my dad, he came up with the idea. He said to me, I think if they go to Europe for his kids and for better future, I think you should do that. And then we'll, we'll see if we can fix his teeth. Yeah, not quite the story that was sold to the world. The excuse for Trudeau to ship 50,000 unvetted Muslim migrants here from Syria because of that poor boy. I'm not disputing that Aylan and Kurdi died and that it's a tragedy when a child dies. I'm disputing that it had anything to do with Syria or refugees or Canada, which is why and how he was weaponized by the left. Here's another little baby. We don't know the name of the baby. We don't know the face. We don't know much about the baby. This is a baby that was killed by a Muslim terrorist in Nice, France when that terrorist drove a massive truck down the promenade, murdering more than 80, wounding nearly 500. We don't know this kid's name. Her image will not be politicized or weaponized. Unlike Yanela Hernandez, two-year-old girl, her picture has been everywhere, front page of the New York Times, front page of countless papers, especially those on the left here, the New York Daily News calls Trump an animal for abusing this Little girl, half a million people on Facebook crowdfunded a campaign to fight against this racism. They've raised almost 20 million bucks so far. That evil Donald Trump. I mean, who is so evil that he separates a crying child from her own parents? Well, not Trump, actually, and not Trump's police. The girl was, in fact, never separated from her mom. And the story is almost as weird as Aylan Curdy's dad going for free dental work in Germany. Here's the first fact, a statement by ICE that stands for Immigration and Customs Enforcement Police. This is a note that they sent to journalists yesterday. 
On June 12, 2018, Sandra Maria Sanchez, 32, a previously deported woman from Honduras, illegally re-entered the United States. She was arrested by agents with U.S. Customs and Border Protection's Border Patrol near Hidalgo, Texas, while traveling with a family member. On June 17, 2018, Sanchez was transferred to ICE custody and is currently housed at the South Texas Family Residential Center in Dilly, Texas. Her immigration proceedings are ongoing. But look at this. On July 3, 2013, Sanchez was encountered by immigration officials in Hebronville, Texas. On July 9, 2013, she was transferred to ICE ERO custody. On July 18, 2013, Sanchez was removed to Honduras under expedited removal. Oh, so she hasn't been separated from her daughter. They're together in a family facility after all. And not just that, the mom, Sandra Maria Sanchez, She's illegally entering America for a second time, having been caught and deported five years ago by Barack Obama. But the story gets weirder, dental trip type weird, even weirder than that. The father of this two-year-old Honduran girl, he's got something to say about this. He was interviewed at length by the Daily Mail, a UK-based newspaper. He says Sandra Sanchez, his wife, the girl's mother, basically kidnapped her. He says he disagreed with her decision to try to sneak into the U.S. illegally. Again, he disagreed with her taking their daughter on such a dangerous trip. He disagreed with her paying $6,000 to a human trafficker called a coyote, surely a gang member. Remember that up to 60% of women and children smuggled across the border are sexually assaulted, including by their human traffickers. And the evil Donald Trump, yeah, no, he saved them. Here's the father in that exclusive interview with Daily Mail. Hernandez, who lives in Puerto Cortes, Honduras, says that he was told yesterday that his wife and child are being detained at a family residential center in Texas, but are together and doing fine. You can imagine how I felt when I saw that photo of my daughter. It broke my heart. It's difficult as a father to see that, but I know now they are not in danger. They are safer now than when they were making that journey to the border, he said. Let me read some more. I'm not sure if this is mother of the year material here. Dennis, that's the dad, said that his wife had previously mentioned her wish to go to the United States for a better future, but did not tell him or any of their family members that she was planning to make the trek. I didn't support it. I asked her why. Why would she want to put our little girl through that? But it was her decision at the end of the day. And this, I don't have any resentment for my wife, but I do think it was irresponsible of her to take the baby with her in her arms because we don't know what could happen. The couple has three other children, son Wesley, 14, daughter Cindy, 11, and Brianna, 6. So we have a mom who basically walked away from her family, her husband, who has a respectable job, and her three other kids. She wants to be a big star in America, and she literally took a two-year-old through a coyote smuggler to break the law and sneak into America again after Barack Obama deported her. And she was captured and is in a family facility now. Every single thing about the story that was reported in Time magazine and in the New York Times and on Canada's CBC, every single thing they said about it was fake news. She's not a refugee. She's not poor. She's not legal. She's a serial lawbreaker. Obama deported her five years ago. She was captured again. She was not separated from her daughter in America. Actually, she separated herself and her daughter from the rest of the family. She abandoned them back in Honduras. She's a liar. 
which isn't surprising given that she's also a criminal. We know all about her now, but we also know a bit more about our own lying media too, don't we? We don't hesitate for a second to use a child to make their propaganda point, whether that child is crying or actually dead. I say it again, you just can't trust the mainstream media. Stay with us for more. Welcome back. Well, $4.5 billion has fled from the federal treasury to a Texas-based company called Kinder Morgan. They are the company that owns the Trans Mountain Pipeline from Alberta to British Columbia that has been happily and safely pumping away for the better part of a century. $4.5 billion to buy the existing Kinder Morgan Pipeline. But that's not the controversial one. The one that we need to get built, that Justin Trudeau, Rachel Notley, and the entire oil patch want built, is the expansion, which would cost a further $7.4 billion. That's the one that BC's Premier is holding up politically, legally, and in every other way he can. So what's happening? What do we spend that $4.5 billion for if the pipeline's actually not moving forward? Joining us now via Skype from Edmonton is our friend there, He's a senior columnist with the Edmonton Sun. I'm talking about Lauren Gunter. Lauren, great to see you again. I have in front of me your column called Lack of Liberal Action Makes Trans Mountain Purchase Look Like Hush Money. What do you mean by that? Well, I think that the $4.5 billion was spent largely to keep everybody quiet, to make this issue go away, to say, uh, hush up, Alberta. Look, we're, we're keeping this pipeline alive, even if Kinder Morgan was going to kill it, and sort of a nudge, nudge, wink, wink to environmentalists, too, with their inaction. Not with the $4.5 billion purchase, but the fact that they're not doing anything with this pipeline that they just bought. It's kind of a, hey, hush up, environmentalists, uh, we are on your side, and we're not going to move on this pipeline. So the other day, uh, Shannon Stubbs, who is the, uh, the natural resource shadow minister for the Tories in Ottawa, asked uh, Jim Carr, who is the natural resource minister for the Trudeau government, uh, hey, how's that pipeline coming? You know, you, you bought this pipeline. You said you were going to go ahead with it. One of the reasons you bought it was Kinder Morgan said it couldn't stand another missing another construction season. Right. Construction season's underway. Is the pipeline underway? And Carr said, well, no, uh, there's some problems with the permitting process. It's uh, been a lot slower than we thought. Uh, not sure when the pipeline's going to get started. Uh, so that that makes it to me look like they're really not that serious about making about building this pipeline. Why did they buy it? Uh, you know, there's there's been discussion about whether or not they overpaid for the pipeline, and and Kinder Morgan's existing pipeline, the company valued at 2.5 billion. We paid 4.5 billion as taxpayers. Uh, in their most recent regulatory filings, Kinder Morgan Canada listed their assets as 4.6 billion. So that we got all those assets. Maybe we didn't overpay. But the point is, we bought the pipeline to make sure it was going to get built, so that we wouldn't miss this construction season. And we're going to miss this construction season because the Liberals are too timid to actually do anything concrete with this pipeline. Yeah. Well, Lauren, I have a slightly different take on things. Uh, like I say, the existing Trans Mountain Pipeline, which I put it to you that most 
um, British Columbia environmental protesters aren't even thinking about. Like they, right. they, they think we're going to stop a pipeline. There is a pipeline and it's buried, of course, so no one sees it. Um, that's the one that taxpayers bought. So yeah. I was never tricked in the first place when Justin Trudeau said we're going to take 4.5 for the existing pipeline that no one is trying to stop, that can't be stopped, that's happily pumping away. That was never the problem. The problem is the addition, the 7.4 billion one that requires the construction. So I don't, I don't even know, Lorne, if that is owned by the government of Canada. I don't think there's anything to own because it's not built yet. So it's a promise of 7.4 to be spent. Well, on top they, of this 4.5 that's already in the ground. My understanding from looking at all of the regulatory documents that as much as I could uh, around Kinder Morgan was that Kinder Morgan had already put about 1.1 billion into the new pipeline, mostly in planning and in regulatory compliance. So for instance, uh, you know, it, the, the hearings on, on the twinning of this pipeline, uh, the commission or the, the energy board would say, well, we're not sure whether or not this is going to have uh, a bad influence, uh, any bad outcomes on the butterflies in the Smilkameen Valley. Uh, please go and do a study uh, and they spend four hundred thousand dollars, you know, and things like that. You know, there's two hundred thousand here, four hundred thousand there. Uh, adds up to a billion dollars in a hurry. Yeah. Uh, complying with all of these these regulatory uh, matters, uh, and we paid them back for that. We paid them the one point one billion. Now, a private buyer for this, all of these assets would not have paid them for the one point one they'd already sunk in. You write that off. Kinder Morgan, U.S., you eat that. Uh, that's not ours. We did pay them for that. But the point is, they could have, as you know, from April on, Trudeau kept saying they were going to pass this law mm -hmm. that would assert the Fed's constitutional authority over the building of, of pipelines, period, and building of this pipeline in particular. And they never did that. They never got around to, to passing the law. So Doug Black, who is a an independent kind of red Tory senator from Alberta, but a senior oil and gas lawyer who knows this inside out, he put in a bill in the Senate, which passed overwhelmingly, uh, that outlined the federal authority to build this pipeline. Had the federal government simply allowed that bill to be passed in the Commons, they would then not have had to worry about this permitting process because the law would have said, we, the federal government, have the authority to override local and provincial concerns now that this pipeline has been approved and we're just going to start building it. But the Trudeau liberals didn't even allow that bill to be introduced into the Commons, much less passed. Hmm. They didn't even allow it to be introduced. So they are not serious mm -hmm. about building the twinning or about twinning, building the second part of Trans Mountain, despite the fact that they keep saying this pipeline will be built, this pipeline will be built. I don't think they really intend. To. I'm thinking this 4.5 billion was hush money to keep this issue quiet until after next fall's federal election, the 2019 federal election, and after the 18 liberals who are elected from from BC are safely reelected with maybe a few extras uh, added in. I, I think that's all the calculations that are going on here. I, I think you're right. I have a slightly different spin. Let me put it to you. I mean, your, your headline in the sun is lack of liberal action makes Trans Mountain Purchase look like hush money. I think it's hush money in two ways. 
I, I did a story a few weeks ago, Lauren, about a quarry in Digby Neck, Nova Scotia. American investors put in millions of bucks. They were told it would be a fair process. It was a rock quarry in a marine terminal. So, you, I mean, it, it, it wasn't as big or as fancy as, a, as an oil sands pipeline. They were refused a permitting for a made-up reason, social license. Like, we don't like the cut of your jib. Like, there was no technical reason. They made a NAFTA complaint, Lorne. They won. The government appealed it. The investor won again. And they haven't f finalized the amount they're going to be paid. But basically, they're getting 50 years' worth of profits paid to them under NAFTA as a penalty. So a rock quarry, just rocks, Lorne. This American investor is going to get half a billion dollars. So I saw that. I thought, if you're getting half a billion for some rock quarry, imagine what Kinder Morgan could get. They, they jumped through all the hoops. They did everything they were told. And they were told no for goofy social license. Get ready for yep. billions. I think yep. this is the double hush. Here's $4.5 billion way more than a, a commercial bid would be. So Kinder Morgan, can you please be quiet? We are voluntarily paying you so much money now. Please don't make a fuss. Please don't sue us and have to and well, just pretend or, it's or okay. We're taking, we're buying this off of you. Mm -hmm. And so now we're the party that is going to be damaged that's going to lose profits yeah. when it doesn't get built. So that's hush number well, one. Because but, we're the government, we're going to say nothing about it. So here's 4.5, give us the pipeline, and we'll just stay quiet. That's entirely possible. So that's hush the, one, but let me, can I put hush number yep. two to you, Lauren? Yeah, you bet. Hush number two is this. Like I say, the expansion is, it's its not happening. I mean, you, you know that, I know that. They haven't come up with the other 7.4. Here's what I think they're doing. Remember, 2019 is a provincial Alberta election and a federal election. So I think Justin Trudeau is going to say to Albertans, if you vote for Jason Kenney and scrap the carbon tax, well, then we're not building the pipeline. And because the two go together, energy and the environment, that's buying social license. So he's going to say to Albertans, it's your fault, because he knows Albertans are going to throw Rachel Notley. So Justin yep. Trudeau is going to say, this is my theory, if you scrap the carbon tax, I will not build my pipeline. Oh, you voted for Jason Kenney. I will not do it. I'm punishing you. And hey, BC, look at that. So that, that's what I think he's going to do. I yeah. think he's going to use it as a hostage. I think that's all plausible. Uh, I do think, though, that most of the calculations are much more immediate than that, that they are worried about the 18 uh, seats that they have in, in, in B.C. They know the four seats that they have in Alberta. At least three of them are lost. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I can't imagine that any of them will, will win, but at least three of the four are gone. So they're not going to do anything to try and win seats in Alberta because they know there's no chance for right. that. They do know, though, that the 18 seats they have in B.C. out of 43, I think it is, uh, they could increase that total maybe, uh, but they could for sure lose some of those 18. And when they start looking around now, I mean, they lost the by-election in Quebec. That's right. not maybe a sign of, of bad times ahead for them in Quebec, but it's not a good thing for them either. I mean, they're starting to do the, the calculation. They're starting to count. Oh, gosh, we're going to maybe lose yeah. some of these, maybe lose some yeah. of these. Maybe, yeah. maybe the bloom is coming off the Trudeau rose. Yeah. 
Uh, and and so they're worried. And I think that the, the immediate electoral calculations are the number one reason that they're not doing anything yeah. on this. Yeah. Well, it's terrifying. And I think it's yep. just everyone's a loser, I think, is uh, yep. except oh, for the foreign no environmental activists who are yep. just getting everything they want. And it's it's no coincidence that Gerald Butts is Justin Trudeau's principal secretary. Lauren, I know you got to run. Thanks for your for your time and your views. It's great to see you again, my friend. Likewise. All right, right there you have it, Lauren Gunter. By the way, if you haven't seen this column, it's in the Edmonton Sun. It's called "Lack of Liberal Action Makes Trans Mountain Purchase Look Like Hush Money." And by the way, Rick Bell has a great column in there too, uh, in in the Calgary Sun called "Trans Mountain Pipeline Stalled Trudeau's Folks Hope." And there's just really, really weird shenanigans. Uh, I don't think we can trust these liberals as far as we can throw them. Stay with us. More ahead on The Rebel. Oh, folks, I think we have a bit of a contest. I've got a question for you. Who is a worse nanny state? Who is more politically incorrect? Who is fighting the war against fun more outrageously? the city of Toronto, or the city of Granby, Quebec. Joining us now in studio to talk about this is my friend David Menzies. Hi, David. Nice to see you. Good to see you, Ezra. We've got two crazy cases. <laughs> it's a tough comp contest. On the one hand, let me read a headline from the National Post. Kids' water balloon fight lands Quebec mother with $102 fine. Yes. That's from Granby, Quebec. That's a pretty good one for splashing water on the pavement. And then we've got Ontario. <laughs> movies that, uh, Toronto, city of Toronto. Yep. Movies that show smoking should be rated R, says health board chair. So censorship proposals in Toronto and $102 tickets for water fights in Granby. What do you think of this? Well, first of all, uh, they've dialed back the R rating. They're now saying 18A. So if you're under 18, as long as you have an adult, you can see, um, you know, Bugs Bunny or Pepe Le Pew smoking a cigarette. <laughs> so thank goodness for a little mercy. You know, um, well, two things. There are two completely separate issues, of course, Ezra. The, the one in, in Quebec, uh, this was, you know, they have a water restriction uh, policy going on. And this was kind of a cosmic coincidence. There was a girl filling her water balloon just as a bylaw officer in training was walking by and some of the water splattered on the pavement. And that was noted, I think, in the report, kind of like how Dexter, you know, the blood spatter analysis, uh, you know, for the uh, fictional Miami Police Department, uh, you know, notes his evidence. And you're not supposed to do that. But, you know, here's the thing. I often go to bat for the bylaw officers, Ezra, based on personal experience, because normally what happens is they hate waging war on kids, taking away a basketball net, shutting down a lemonade stand. They are driven by complaints. They're complaint driven, but not in this case. This is where somebody was walking by. There was no complaint, saw, you know, what happened. What happened to common sense? Yeah. This was a little girl of 13 trying to fill a water balloon. Some of it got on the asphalt and suddenly that's a $102 ticket. And the second thing, especially in this day and age of social media, Ezra, if I'm one of these bylaw officers, I'm thinking ahead of the, you know, of the ticket and the potential fallout. How idiotic is this going to make me and my city look yeah. once this goes, uh, you know, yeah. on fire on well, social I mean, media? Let me just read. I'm reading from the story here. The, the city's bylaws prohibit residents from washing or cleaning their driveways, 
with potable water, potable water. Um, but that's not what we're doing here. So I, 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 you tell me, you say that in your own personal experience, bylaw officers gen generally aren't being punitive. That may be true, but I think there's a sort of a, 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 a character in certain people that they like to be authorities. You see it sometimes in bouncers at clubs. You mm. see it in people who want to be a cop for all the wrong reasons. Yes. They want to be bossy and boss people around. And maybe they weren't good enough to be a cop, so maybe they're a mall cop. Or, and I'm not disparaging all mall cops or bouncers. I'm just saying there are some people that naturally enjoy writing a ticket, enjoy showing in this one area of their life they're superior to you. They may not be superior to you in any other domain, but they have a badge that says, I can give you a ticket. I don't know who this ticket giver was, yeah. but, but that's sure what it sounds like to me. Well, I, I agree. And I think those are the dangerous ones when it comes to law enforcement or quasi-law enforcement, someone that couldn't make the A team and is now in the B team. But this, I think, goes against both the spirit and the letter of the law, as you just said, Ezra. This was uh, this whole bylaw is about, I guess, power washing your driveway, you know, and, and if it's good drinking water, the, the city deems this to be a complete waste. And maybe they're right about that. But why couldn't this person figure out this was an accidental spill yeah. from a hose pipe yeah. going into a balloon? It yeah. doesn't make sense. All right. So <coughs> Granby makes a very good, uh, like, great effort in the war on fun. <laughs> but the contest is against Toronto. Um, let me read a couple lines from the story in the yes. Toronto Star. And they're thrilled about this, by the way. <laughs> Movies that show tobacco use should be off limits to anyone under 18, unless they have adult supervision, says Toronto's public health board chair. Councillor Joe Mahevick wants his board to vote to lobby the Ontario government to make movies with smoking rated 18A, basically banning any classic. Here's my, th I mean, so they're calling for censorship. They're saying parents are too stupid to, to educate or care for their own kids. Um, they're, they're saying someone who's 17 and a half. Uh, it, it, the same, the same people who are racing to legalize marijuana. Yes. Oh my God, they saw a, a tobacco <laughs> cigarette. But here's what, here's what gets me. I mean, Toronto schools are the worst in the country. I think it's pretty safe to say mm -hmm. that. And they're so insane on the ideology when it comes to sexuality. Yep. Like they're teaching six-year-olds uh, explicit sex. They're, they're talking about the is it the six genders or something in like grade five? Like, so you can talk about that to children of tender years, but showing an image of someone smoking, oh my God, you've got to be 18. It's pretty weird. It's pretty weird, the, it, the disconnect there. It's preposterous. And in the article, Joe Mahevick, and, and Joe Mahevick is a very left-wing counselor. And I'll say, look, his heart in the right, is in the right place here. I mean, he doesn't want people to get addicted to nicotine. And no, we, I, just, we, I think he likes being the boss. I think he's got that uh, inspector syndrome. Well, well maybe you're right. But the thing is, he was justifying this in a most bizarre way. He said, if you look at what the city of Toronto and other municipalities have done over the past, we've gone out and we've banned smoking in workplaces, restaurants, hospitals. Uh, Joe, those were real cigarettes with real smoke involving real people in a theater, which is already smoke-free. And I go back to the days I remember as the first seven rows you could smoke, mm. and that's long, long gone. Mm. But 
this is just cinematic smoking. And also, what does this mean in terms of reclassifying films? I mean, uh, G-rated stuff even, Ezra. Right. Corella DeVille yeah. in 101 Dalmatians is smoking a cigarette. Does that now get an 18A rating? Well, I mean, and if we're banning it in film, what's the difference between a film in a theater and a film on YouTube or a book or a magazine or any depiction or image whatsoever? How about an, words that describe it? This is just insane social control, social engineering censorship and um, I don't know I, 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 I won't give this guy the benefit of the doubt I think like Justin Trudeau who's obsessed with being a male feminist <laughs> these authoritarians they go to their touchstone because to distract from other things about which they're incompetent Toronto is a mess as a city so of course he wants to talk about banning uh, you know what there is an idea I have and I'd like to run this by and then we're out of time sure um, tobacco is an aboriginal discovery yes uh, Europe did not know about smoking until Sir Walter Raleigh, Raleigh bought it, brought it back uh, from the new country. Maybe others brought it back earlier. Um, why should some Toronto politician be able to ban something that is so historically and culturally part of our First Nations? There is not a single thing in Toronto official thing that's not started with we recognize that we are unceded aboriginal territory yeah. and which by the way is legally untrue in certain in many occasions <laughs> so they all bs about oh i'm very respectful about aboriginal traditions smoking is an aboriginal tradition that came from north america to europe and here's some european joe mehevic yeah i'm kidding around of course <laughs> but here he is saying i'm going to ban this thing that's it's more Canadian than he is, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, that, that's a very good point, but I'll, I'll counter it with this, Ezra. Right now on Native Reserves, every single rule in the Smoke-Free Ontario Act, mm -hmm. right, and the ostensible policy reason for the Smoke-Free Ontario Act was to keep cigarettes out of the hands of children. Every single rule is violated, including the sale of cigarettes to minors. We've had that, mm -hmm. we've shown that on this, uh, you know, uh, another rebel assignments before. So when it comes to what's happening on the reserve, um, these social justice warriors and, in, and social justice engineers, mm -hmm. they'll turn a blind eye because mm -hmm. they don't want to get involved in anything of white person versus native. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to something that doesn't cause any harm, like showing cigarettes on a movie or a TV show, then that's when yeah. they'll put down the mallet. And also, how far do we go? Car chases. Yeah. I mean, that's against the how law. How about obesity? <laughs> Kills as many people in North America every year as smoking does. Yeah. How about a documentary that is pro-right-wing or pro-Donald Trump? Does yeah. that get 18A on it, too? Well, absolutely. These <laughs> folks will ban anything. David, great to see you again. Thank you, Ezra. All right. Stay with okay. us, folks. More ahead on The Rebel. Hey, welcome back on my monologue yesterday about Canadian media fact-checking Trump, but not Trudeau. Harley writes, the left mainstream media should call it fat checking. You only get to stay fat and at the trough by not saying anything bad about the government. Well, I should note that a CBC reporter was just appointed to the Senate. You know, once a decade, once every five years, I don't know, liberals appoint a CBC journalist to the Senate. It's a way of keeping a thousand other CBC journalists chasing in the right direction, isn't it? Tammy writes, Fact-checking is rare for mainstream media. In Canada, the government propaganda broadcaster wouldn't dare to fact-check and report the results. The facts show Trudeau is the worst PM since his father. 
Well, again, I'm going to say that the whole idea of fake news, one person's opinion is another person's false fact or true fact. I say let people sort it out on their own. I'm smart enough to be my own decider of what I believe or not. On my interview with Eric Duham about the conservative by-election victory in Quebec, Robert writes, the common wisdom is not to read too much into a by-election victory, but Eric Duham really made some good points. After Ford's victory in Ontario in this by-election in Quebec, I am optimistic going into the next federal election. Now, if only we could get rid of smiling Andy Scheer. Well, look, you're not going to get rid of Andrew Scheer. You're just not going to. It's not going to happen. Uh, I don't think there's a Patrick Brown scandal waiting to emerge. I think instead of getting rid of him, you have to improve him, try to give him a backbone transplant or something, and make him more conservative. Not even more conservative, just more courageous to take on the, the CBC and the media party. Peter writes, it sounds a lot like Quebec might be going through a conservative wave, both provincially and federally. If that's the case, then that is very welcome news. Well, let me um, rain on your parade just a tiny bit. Eric was very clear that this is not all of Quebec. It's certainly not Montreal, the largest population center. Uh, rural parts of Quebec, those parts near Quebec City, yes. But I don't think downtown Montreal will ever vote anything other than liberal. But yeah, absolutely it's hopeful. And it was very interesting to me to hear how immigration was a story, if only our English language media and politicians had that courage, too. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks for tuning in. Until Monday, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, good night, and keep fighting for freedom. Mm -hmm.